Hey folks, this is Vincent and you're on Hanging Out Sunset. How are you today? How's your summer? Did you get that hot summer body you dreamt about all year? Did you ruin it already with too much margaritas and barbecues? <sighs> Can't believe it's already August and I have to come up with a plan to lose those 13 pounds I gained in Europe. 13 pounds, 6 kilos. Damn, that French bread and the confiture, damn, all those greasy paellas and all the sangria I drank. Ah, not gonna complain though. That was an amazing trip to my roots between Alicante, Spain and south of France. I got to practice my Spanish, meet the 80-year-old brother of my late Spanish grandma, got to see old French friends and not worry about my broken English for a second. And if you follow me... And hanging on sunset, you're likely not bugged by my French accent. But I know some people do. A friend told another friend he couldn't listen to the podcast because of my accent. Well, fuck you. I can't do anything about it. Neither can you. Because, of course, he is French. The nastiest species of motherfuckers in the whole world. Always complaining, always raging and ready to go on a strike or a revolution. Well, yeah, I have to get credit to that attitude because it's probably why we have the best health care system in the world and why we don't have to work until 75 to get a retirement pension. There are pros and cons, as always. Anyway, I went to France and I saw some friends and family. And it was great, but I'm glad I'm back in L.A., some people hate this town and I can't really blame them. But it's nice to leave and come back. I just spent the last 10 days recording new demos. That's all I did. And frankly, that's the best part of my summer so far. Because that's what I love doing. Playing music, listening to a lot of music and then writing music and about music. Anyway, not gonna bother you any longer with my life. We're reaching the end of my summer special with Hanging Out Sunset and today I have a young and brilliant artist from LA, L. Kaplan. I'm going to tell you, we clicked right away. Never heard of him before, didn't know him, but he was performing at the Pioneer Town Film Festival and I wanted to meet him because they programmed so many great stuff there. You know, the Dandy Warhols, Jessica Van Rabbit, all the music documentaries and stuff like Hartwood Highway. It was a blast, really. So I figured it would be great to meet him, too. And I wasn't wrong. We got a really talented and fun guy here. During this interview, we talked about his journey from Altrock to Outlaw Country, his experience working for Aftermath, you know, Dr. Dre's label. That's a big deal. We geeked on Sun Records, but also tried to rehabilitate the recorder. You know, the instrument responsible for so much music appreciation classes, PTSD. And I think we did a pretty good job here, you'll see. We also talked about Mercury retrograde, you know, because uh, I was having like uh, problems with my recording gear. And like true Angelinos, we blamed it on the astral world. He mentioned also that he had breakfast with Neil Young once. That's a pretty cool teaser, right? Come on, I'm trying to get you excited here. I know it's hard to listen to a podcast when you don't know the artist, but you got to trust me here. 
Chris, aka El Kaplan, is worth your fucking attention. You won't regret it, and if you do, take all your rage on me like a true French revolutionary. All right, let's do the show. Hi everyone, today I'm with Kaplan and we're at the Pioneer Town Film Festival this weekend interviewing a bunch of artists and I'm very happy uh, to be with you Kaplan today and uh, to have our listeners discover your music and, your, and yourself. So my first question is, how was the traffic? For us, it was chill. It was like two. There was no traffic. <laughs> I know it's going to be crazy this weekend because of Memorial Day and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. Everything uh, happening at the same time. Uh-huh. And this area has became... I've, really crowded like recently in the last years I've, I've been living in uh, California and LA for the past 12 years but um, and I discovered this place like 11 years ago and I seen it change you know over time it became very hip mm. kind of so I I can see that there are there is traffic now in the desert which is kind of crazy to me yeah that's true. <laughs> so you're based out in LA and you were born mm-hmm. and raised in LA born and raised in LA that's right oh that's great uh, which area a uh, Burbank. Burbank, yeah. that's cool. Are you still there? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And uh, would you qualify your music as uh, Western Mexican music? That's what I Yeah, I, I mean, well, the song that I have out right now is a cover of Como La Flor uh-huh. by Selena. Yes. And so that song, I, I guess you could call that Western Mexican for sure. Uh-huh. It's kind of like trying to do my own thing with that. I, yeah, I saw that somewhere that uh, you were referred as a Mexican-American Johnny Cash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that gives us uh, a little bit of, of a hand of what kind of music you're playing. So how is it going? Do you perform alone? What's the... What's the... Yeah, well, this tomorrow night, uh, I'll be performing solo as a just singer-songwriter acoustic act. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I uh, am really just starting this project as a solo artist as Kaplan. Mm-hmm. You know, over the years, I've done a lot of production for other artists and I've also had my own bands in the past mm-hmm. but you know as you know things have been a little slower in the past couple of years yes um, but yeah when I perform I'll both do as a solo artist just acoustic guitar and I'll also do it with a band I love playing with with nice. musicians I've listened to uh, a couple of your songs actually like you said it's pretty new but I, mm-hmm. I got the privilege to listen one of the songs of your new EP your oh. debut uh, EP that you're going to release, I guess. Okay, yeah. And uh, no, I love the production, and it's definitely you're not alone <laughs> in this. And there are oh, many yeah, instruments. Yeah. Are you did thinking you... of Our Lady, the Queen of yeah, Angels? Exactly. Okay, cool. So, did you uh, record all of this by yourself? Yeah, I think I pretty much played uh, almost everything on there except for I brought in a pedal steel player. Uh huh. Yeah, I heard that, that. Like, really, that cool old school Nashville sound. And I had my uh, my friend Jason, he played uh, Jason Agu, he played the, the snare drum on it. Uh, but everything else, I played all the guitar textures, harmonies, the kick drum. Yeah, nice. I, I like to lock myself away and do the majority of the stuff myself. So. That's pretty cool. I'm a musician myself. Oh, cool. 
And I, I love to, uh, you know, get in my little studio garage. <laughs> are you, are you going to come jam with me on Sunday now? Are you going to come on stage? We could, we could do that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, let's take, uh, take us way back. When did you really start uh, doing music? What age did you really feel that uh, there was something more uh, here in the music than in other activities that you would do? Hmm. Sorry, I'm losing my English today. Maybe because I got oh, over last night. <laughs> oh, no, it's all good. No, your English sounds great. Practice makes perfect anyway. Um, let's see. My first instrument was a recorder. You know nice. what that is? A oh, yeah, yeah. plastic thing, uh -huh. which I was fucking terrible at. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think anyone that heard me play the recorder would Was it in school? Thought. It yeah. was in school. Oh, you had yeah. to learn that. I did not have a natural gift for it. At least I, I don't think I did. <laughs> But I feel like my... Who, who, did, who has a natural, you know, gift for playing the recorder? No one, I guess. Some sick fuck that... Or can we curse on this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, Go it's ahead. a podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, someone, I don't know, someone I wouldn't like to associate with. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm sure you, there's some nice recorder players out there. Actually, you know what? I was totally surprised the other day. I was watching a footage of uh, Ennio Morricone's music played by an orchestra and mm. then... Well, is that a recorder? That's a recorder. Get the fuck out. Really? <laughs> I was like, oh my what? God. We haven't been putting on respect on the name of the recorder this whole time. I know. And I was like, oh yeah, just process it, put it some reverb. The mo literally the most iconic melody yeah. in like Western music. It's probably one of the most records sold ever, I guess, mm. in soundtracks, you know? See, this is the problem. I think I didn't excel at the recorder because they didn't try to... If they would have tried to teach me that, I probably... It would have been a different story. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. Or maybe if you teach her, like, uh, process it through, uh, you know, guitar pedals or stuff, that, that could be cool, too. That's true. That's true. <laughs> maybe the recorder just isn't... It's not seeing its true potential. You know? I think so. I think that... Maybe tomorrow night I'll I'll go on stage with you and play a solo. Bust it out on the recorder. The recorder if I can find a recorder here at the <laughs> film festival, I'll do that. Have you seen the movie Anchorman with Will Ferrell? I know. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, Ron so, Burgundy. Ron Burgundy. Yeah. So there's a, he randomly has this skill where he's like incredible jazz flautist, <laughs> and you made me think of this scene where he's trying to seduce Christina Applegate's character, and he like goes on stage and he literally like gets on a table and he pulls a, a flute oh out and just starts shredding jazz flute it's oh, incredible amazing. i recommend it I, I think i'm gonna do that tomorrow. yeah <laughs> i'll just come on stage and pull out a re recorder from my i'm shirt. telling you man i'm telling you <laughs> uh i have to tell everyone that we were having some troubles with the technology and uh i don't know maybe it's the desert or maybe it's something else <laughs> uh mercury retrograde no i was asking you about no, no, no. I, I have a question. Yes. Do you live in Los Angeles? I, I do. So that's you. So that's why you know what Mercury retrograde is. Exactly. And, uh, and that's why I was like, no, please don't bring that up. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I ruined it. <laughs> so let's go back. Sorry. The recorder did not do it. So what what, what happened okay. then? I would say that uh, my journey as a musician really began when I was 13 with the bass guitar. Oh, nice. So that was my first instrument. My parents got me a bass guitar for Christmas and I was so excited about it that I slept with it in bed with me and then just kind of became <laughs> obsessed with it and then yeah I mean got pretty I would say you know relatively advanced at it pretty quickly uh -huh. and then just kind of haven't looked back and then eventually got a guitar when I was 14 and but yeah I would say that would, would probably be the genesis is getting a bass when I was 13 
and what it's an unusual choice you know usually like the the young the teenagers are driven to the guitars mm. and so what made you <laughs> like the bass well i don't know i'm trying to remember exactly i think that my older brother had a guitar and he was always kind of a dick to me for the most part lovingly but he, i used to be <laughs> overweight i was fat and i don't think he wanted me to play guitar so he's like well you're fat you should play bass oh my gosh <laughs> Hey, but the joke's on him. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, totally. So bass first and... Uh... Bass first. Yeah, well, then I ended up getting a guitar. So I was jamming with some friends of mine. Uh, we would do a bunch of, like, Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, like the kind of music, the alternative rock that they play on K-Rock mm -hmm. in the late 90s, early mm -hmm. 2000s. Which was still rock and roll, which is not really the case anymore, right? Yeah, I guess so. I guess it has shifted. The times <laughs> have, have changed. Uh, but I remember... My friend Josh was playing uh, guitar. I was playing bass. My friend Dylan was playing drums. And he couldn't learn Under the Bridge by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And so I made a bet with him. And I was just like, and I was kind of cocky at the time. And I was just like, loan me your guitar. <laughs> let me let me, let me me play this for a week. I'm going to come back in a week and I'll have learned that song. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and I came back and, did it. and I pretty much had it yeah, after a week. And he goes, you know what, man? Just just keep, keep, keep the guitar. Not, but <laughs> he, said, he said, he gave me the guitar. He said, keep it. But it was like, really not like... It was really sweet. like he loved me, and he he was like, "You should learn how to play guitar." And here, take this. I have another one. Take this. So it was really sweet of him. So I'll always appreciate that. That's for cool. Sure. That's cool. So you you start playing the bass. You're into rock and roll, I guess. And uh... yeah, I mean, I listen to a lot of stuff. I mean, I've always been interested in listening to all different kinds of music. Uh -huh. I definitely didn't grow up listening to rock and roll music. I kind of discovered that more um, as a teenager. But I think the music that I really grew up listening to from like my dad would be like more like old soul and mm -hmm. jazz, like because mm -hmm. he was actually a musician too. And he, growing up, we listened to like Stevie Wonder, the Delphonics, nice. like all that classic soul shit, like oldies. Mm -hmm. And then for my mom, would be like disco and like regional Mexican music and stuff like that. So, oh, that's that's pretty cool. I was just in uh, in Memphis, like. Uh, three weeks ago and oh, cool. I got to visit the Stax Museum oh yeah original studio oh hell yeah okay. oh my gosh Sun Records too oh, oh, dude Sun Records oh, don't even get me started yeah let's go let's, let's go, go there started. Yes. oh my god yeah I mean Please. just that if you have time I, apparently we do have time yeah. I mean what is the what is the time I said like uh, about half an hour 40 minutes but cool. we yeah, can yeah. wherever you want to take the conversation yeah. It's, cool it's a free conversation. That's what I like to do. You know. Oh, okay. That's what I love about podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, yeah, you don't yeah, have yeah. to, you know, do the same shit that mm -hmm. they have to do on the radio and stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. So Sun Sun Records. Yeah, I just there's something magical about that era because you have like Johnny Cash, mm -hmm. you have Elvis, Jerry Jerry Lee Lewis, Jerry Lee Lewis, Howlin' Wolf. Mm -hmm. There's this girl who has her name's Hannah Pittman. I think. All right. She has one song that I was obsessed called Handsome Man. Oh, well, I she know has this one. I know, because she's not famous. I think what happened is she slept with the CEO of Sun Records, <laughs> and she got kind of shamed for it. Because, like, you know, I mean, I could imagine it would be hard being a woman in the music business in the uh -huh, 1950s. Uh -huh. And she is now appreciated, actually, as one of the early pioneers of rockabilly. Oh but, my she, gosh. but she has, I know, I've never heard of her. She's not famous, but if in that kind of like niche scene, her name's, I think it's. Hannah Pittman I could be wrong but she has a song called Handsome Man that I heard that I had on repeat it just all those records from that era whatever gear they were using at that studio and just the magic of the time period like all those records are like some of the most dope sounding records and of all time have, have you been there in, in the room I've not 
And uh, so it's crazy when I was in the, this, it's just a tiny room and they're still operating the studio. Mm. So oh, wow. during the day, it's more like tourists, like tour guides, and they actually walk you through the whole building and you end up in the studio at the end. Wow. And they have the, all the, you know, Elvis's mic and stuff, and they're still there, and they're like, you can even touch it. I'm like, what? Do you know what kind Ow. of mic it was? It w no. Was I, it a Neumann? It was, I, I didn't check. Mm. I have a photo of it. Wait, let's okay. check. <laughs> let's stop this podcast it's now like, and check. <laughs> you know, it's like those uh, <laughs> retro mics, like uh, very mm. identified with Elvis and the era. So. Mm. so that was pretty cool to be there in... We went to Tupelo to see his uh, oh, okay. childhood house, and, and then of course Graceland. Mm. And uh, Tupelo's in Mississippi. Yes, that's Mississippi. It. Yes, okay. yes. Tupelo it's like a, an hour and a half drive from Memphis. So mm. we just did that in one day. It was pretty cool. Righteous. So you love Elvis, and actually, I saw you make a cover of uh, on your Instagram. I do. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to that movie that's coming out on him. Yeah, me too. Yeah. They, I, uh, I, I love the trailer. I, I was uh -huh. like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know, they don't always get the biopics right. Uh-huh. But when they do... Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That but Johnny Cash one was pretty good, right? They nailed that with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. yeah there, was a, there was that moment where there was like, I Walk the Line, I think that was called, came yes. out. I think there was a... I actually didn't see the Bob Dylan one. But there was another one that came out. There was a time period where they were kind of like doing these like biopics on artists from that era. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can't wait. It's going to be out pretty soon, I guess, in June mm -hmm. or something. So yeah. it's pretty cool. So um, you pick up the bass. You start uh, playing with your friends. And uh, so what's happening after you? Are you do you have a band? What, what was yeah, the actually, classical, uh, <laughs> we, I started a band in high school. We were called Lee Bahart, uh huh. And it was uh, Nick Stratton, really incredible. I mean, one of the greatest guitar players. Honestly, I've one of the greatest musicians I've ever met. So shouts out Nick Stratton. Uh, and he was like really, I feel like the virtuoso. And he was like, he was being mentored by the guy from the Scorpions. I forget, he's like this crazy like, but he was like an insane musician. But I was always writing songs. And I was like writing and writing and writing. We kind of like came together. And uh, we found Dylan, who was also a super talented drummer. And all, and all those guys are still playing. Nick's actually touring with um, this band called the Hardy Har with uh, John Fogarty. Oh, you know, the wow. guy from Creedence Clearwater. Uh -huh. So they're touring with him now and doing a lot of cool things. So shouts out them. Wow, that's pretty great. Uh, but yeah, we had the classic like high school band story where where we were doing really well. We were playing it different. We used to actually we actually used to play at this. Um, so the bass player of the band he was older than us. We were all teenagers. The bass player was uh, in his twenties because he was dating Nick's older sister. Uh, but he used to run this venue called the Spread. Uh -huh. So the spread was this house in the valley, in Sun Valley, actually. And it was pretty cool. There were some bands that would play there. Like, you know the group Hyam? Oh, yes. Those sisters? Yes, so yes. I, we actually opened for Hyam when I was 16, before Hyam was big. Wow, that's pretty and cool. I, and I, I remember it was just two of the sisters. And they, they played. And, and at that time, they weren't famous. I mm -hmm. remember, I think, maybe they had, like, MTV had written a blog post about them. Uh -huh. But it was pretty cool. I mean, it was just, like, a lot of, like, college kids. That's and pretty... Cool, yeah. It was really cool, yeah. It was definitely like they were capturing some kind of little subculture in L.A. at the time. This would have been in like the late 2000s. Um, but yeah, so we played there and we we were like the only high school kids playing there. It was mostly like college mm -hmm. audience and 
we did like Battle of the Bands and stuff like that. And we had some. So what, what kind of music is that? that Liebhardt was, I would say, like alternative rock. I mean, we we were listening again. You know, I mentioned like the late '90s and early 2000s. Like, I would say like K Rock. A lot of these bands that K Rock would have played around mm. that time, they were like alternative rock from like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Nirvana, all those like '90s bands. Mm-hmm. That and then like your you know Pink Floyd and '70s. Rock. We were we were a rock band, and it was like this kind of classic story of uh, you know. We're all in high school. We're all in the band together. We're like, oh, we're all going to make it together. We're going to get signed and then jump on a unicorn and fly to the Grammys because that's how the music <laughs> business works. Exactly. And uh, and then it fell apart just because of like ego and uh, just just drama. But I mean, I'm, it, it was a, an amazing experience. And now as, as adults, we all love each other. And that's great. It's, it's total, everything's cool. So you get cool. to, to still be friends and oh, yeah, support 100%, each other. That, 100%. That's yeah. the best. And um, are you still? Uh, are you? Uh, did you start producing stuff at the time? How does it go? You start recording demos. Oh God. And- um, yeah, I mean, I guess I was like at that time. I don't think I was producing us. I was writing the songs. I started to get into production uh, in college when I went to community college for a couple years, and I just had a laptop and I was just kind of like making demos mm-hmm. that way. That's how it starts, right? <laughs> it is. I guess it is how it starts. But I will tell you, I mean, producing is something that has taken me like the longest time to do because I feel like I got good at playing different instruments, doing the singer songwriter thing, singing, like doing that, like kind of meat and potatoes musician Mm -hmm. stuff. But I would never, as much as I would try to make records over the years and I would work with producers and it would never be the way that I wanted it to be. And it took me forever to get good at producing. But I feel like in my mid twenties, I kind of got better at it. And then over the years, I feel like I finally dialed it in where I can pretty much Whatever I hear in my mind, I know how to make now. You have your own studio? I do, yeah, yeah. I have That's a little, pretty cool. little home setup. Nice, and you, you can record drums and everything. And so I don't record drums there. A lot of the time, the way that I work, and I guess you'll hear this with this, this EP that I'm finishing up right now, that's mm-hmm. actually going to be named after that song that you heard, Our Lady the Queen of Angels. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll, I'll compose a lot of the drum parts in the studio using like software and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and then i'll hire a session player to interpret it and in this record uh you know i have the privilege of working with this really incredible mixer and upcoming producer named eddie spears all right he's actually he's blowing up right now i don't know if you heard of this uh, artist named zach bryan no so zach bryan is like probably going to become the biggest uh artist in like alternative country like he's, he's definitely next and Eddie produced his record, so it's kind of just cool to be part of the scene. But Eddie, Eddie is mixing my record. He uh, he helped produce it uh, in that there are dr- live drums. So I would program the drums on the record, and then I would kind of send it to him in this incredible session drummer named Axel Co. And they're all based out of Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they would he would interpret kind of like the ideas and just killed it well how did you do the switch from alternative rock to going back to i guess your roots more like uh, mexican uh, mu- uh music and, and slash country music well i wouldn't say i mean the the bringing the my mexican heritage and like the spanish music into it i think i mean i would always do like covers in my sets like that i feel like my roots is just being like a singer songwriter uh-huh you know so you and your guitar just me and my guitar. yeah yeah um but just lost my train of thought so how did you first before talking about your heritage but how did you uh grew grew into grew up into a country artist is that 
Well, I, I think th- <laughs> that's a really fun, that, that's a good question for a lot of us uh, in LA. <laughs> I, you know, this is actually funny. I, I think that I always appreciated country. I love Johnny Cash. I mean, Johnny Cash is one of my heroes. Uh, I think that, you know, interestingly enough, I feel like one of the early records and probably for a lot of people um, in the early 2000s who weren't necessarily a part of like the country community. Like I remember listening to Rick Rubin's Mm -hmm. records, his later records, you know, like when the man comes around and then, you know, like his hits like Ring of Fire and all that stuff. I mean, he's just the goat. Oh, yeah, he is. I definitely had my uh, period uh, listening to those records by Rick Rubin and, and, and then discovering the all-time classics from Johnny mm-hmm. yep, Cash. Yep, exactly. So that, I think that was a window for a lot of people. I think a lot of people who were really into folk and folk rock and country rock, like that was kind of like the starter kit for like going exactly. deeper. Exactly. So when you start covering U2 or, you know, um, Nine Inch Nails and mm-hmm. uh, oh. you're like, there's a, a door that opens to another world. Exactly, exactly. And so I think that that was a window for me. Willie Nelson I always loved. I had the opportunity to see Willie Nelson in a small town hall venue in Joplin, Missouri. Oh, nice. So my grandmother on my dad's side is from Missouri. So when I was 16, we got to go. We were visiting this great aunt who I'd never met before, and Willie Nelson happened to be performing. It was a really intimate venue, and so I got to see that and be exposed to that kind of like outlaw country as a teenager. Nice. Took some like bluegrass guitar lessons after that, too. I think I was just really inspired wow. by it. But I think I was more into folk music, and I would say that a lot of people that are into outlaw country music right now or trying to do that like musically are like refugees from folk music mm. or, or punk music. You mm. see a lot of people yes. that like maybe 10 years ago that were into punk rock or mm-hmm. folk or folk punk or all these other genres like are now kind of like, I guess maybe it's a genre as you're, as you're an aging millennial, you can, you can age into. So. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about alto country, uh, tonight they're uh, playing uh, Heartworn Highway, the documentary. Yeah, about Towns Van Zandt. Are you going to check the, the, the screening tonight? That's the plan. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Are you going to be there? Oh, yeah. I, right. I, bought, I brought my vinyl and uh, tomorrow, because oh. I, I bought this like uh, maybe six years ago or something like that, or five years ago. And I found it at Amoeba. Mm. The, the, R.I.P. Like yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Graham Leader, the producer, is going to be here. He's going to do a Q and A, and tomorrow is going to be here with me too for the podcast. Oh, uh, congratulations! Yeah, That's it's pretty a great cool. Interview. I'm very excited about that. So, um, are, are are those guys that we see in the documentary, like Tans Van Zandt, Guy Clark, are those your references uh, for what you do now? Uh, I wouldn't say they are actually. Those are people that I probably discovered later on. I mean, I, in high school, I was exposed to Graham Parsons. Oh, who who is definitely in that yes. in that category. But I would say that like I love Graham Parsons. Oh yeah, really beautiful. And, and we're in Pioneer Town, close to Joshua Tree, so it's right meant here. to be soaking in the vibes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Towns Van Zandt. I mean, I know the song. I believe it was him that wrote Poncho and Lefty, right? Uh, yes, I think yeah. so. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think some of those guys, I, I, I think my ex, at a younger age, my exposure to country music would probably have been more of like those kind of artists that like, like Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash, Graham Parsons. I mean, I, Bob Dylan growing up was my favorite artist and probably in a lot of ways still is. And, you know, he himself is a bridge in those worlds. Like That's he has right. Nashville Skyline. Right. He played with Johnny Cash. I mean, Bob Dylan is probably kind of what mm-hmm. got me into Johnny Cash and stuff like that too. So. I get. I have a similar uh, background than you because I had also a long period of time. I was obsessed with Dylan's music, and uh, he opened me doors to other stuff too. So yeah, yeah, I love. I love. It. He's playing in LA uh, soon. 
Have you seen him live though? No. I mean, I guess he's, he's 80, 81. I love, I love, <laughs> I, I love Bob Dylan. Yeah. All of my respect to the elder statesman. <laughs> I saw him in high school, probably in. Where did I see him? I saw him in a smaller event. It's just, you know what? I'm not going to speak ill of Bob Dylan on a podcast. Go buy tickets to go see Bob Dylan. He's a living legend. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I I was uh, very, very lucky. I went to the Desert Trip Festival in 2015. Oh, wow. But I missed Bob Dylan. It was the first one to play. The was whole... Desert Trip was where it was in the Coachella Valley. Exactly. It was that... old, old Cella. Yeah, exactly. That's Old Cella. So I got to see Neil Young, the Rolling Stones, Roger Waters, Paul McCartney. Well, only legends. Wow. But I missed... Bob Dylan, because I arrived too late. I wasn't supposed to go there, and somebody got me a ticket. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was a great surprise, because I just missed Paul McCartney was doing a secret show at Papi and Harriet right here, wow. where we are. And uh, we arrived, because I heard it on the radio or, some, or saw it on the internet in the morning. I said to my wife, let's go. Wow. <laughs> so and cool. we arrived, and we, no, we couldn't make it, because he played inside, actually. The, the restaurant oh, okay. we were like oh we're fine there's a line but we arrived in time mm. and we'll, we'll make it no actually the line they closed the door like maybe um, 15 person before us and that, that was it so mm. we're like no we have to go back to LA without seeing Paul it was heartbreaking I um, just had a text from a friend who was going to desert trip he said well, no, I had it on the phone. Say, oh, I just landed. He's a French guy too. Mm. Um, ready to go to a desert trip. And he's like, what, what's happening? What, what's happening with you guys? And you're so sad. So we tell him the story, and he's like, oh, okay, I had an extra ticket for a for a girl I'm seeing, but she, you know, I, I'm gonna give it to you guys. If you can find another wow. ticket, well, let's go together, and then you can crash into my hotel room. What? That, oh, that was the great. nicest gift ever. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So that was pretty cool. And that week I got to see Neil Young twice. He played in Pomona. Mm. And then and I didn't know I would go to Desert Trips. I saw him again. And what was amazing about his set is like he, he played like three, three hours probably each set. And uh, maybe only three or four songs were the same. Uh, the set lists were totally different. Do you, do you like Neil Young yourself? I love Neil Young. Oh, great. Yeah, I actually had breakfast with him when I was a little kid. What? Yeah, my dad knew him. Not from the music industry, because my dad left the music industry in the 70s. But so my dad, growing up, my dad was in this, uh, he still is in it, actually. It's this, uh, it's called the Train Collectors Association. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of that before? Well, I know Neil Young is a huge fan of trains. So my dad, too. Oh, wow. And, and growing up, my dad was in the TCA, the Train Collectors Association. Uh-huh. So he would buy and sell, and all these old guys that were, you know, that love trains because they grew up with them, and there's like the whole thing. I hated it as a kid. Well, I don't know if I hated it, but it was boring as all hell when I was a kid. <laughs> but uh, Neil Young was part of the TCA, so my dad knew him from that. And it's really interesting because I told you, you know, my dad, my dad never really listened. To, I mean, he appreciates all music and stuff like that, um, but he was never really into like rock and roll. And I had completely forgotten about ever meeting him when I was a kid. And when, you're, when I was mm-hmm. a kid, I didn't really know what his music was. But I remember in high school coming home from school one day, and my dad had just had a copy of Rolling Stone on his table, and it had Neil Young on the cover. And mm-hmm. I was like, 
well, and my dad's not the type of person to ever buy a Rolling Stone. And I was like, what's this? And he goes, oh, that's my friend, Neil Young. And I was like, what do you mean that's your friend, Neil Young? He's like, you don't remember? Oh, my god! I actually, I actually have a, a, a story about him and the TCA. And I, I, I don't know. I think this is true. My dad is a very creative person who's prone to tall tales. So I'm assuming this is true. So hopefully the fact checkers don't come after me if this is, in fact, not true. But what my dad t- told me is so Neil Young's son is uh has some kind of disability he's like paraplegic yes. or something yes. like that my dad told me because neil young is, is a real genius like mm-hmm. obviously a musical genius but i know that he has all these other skills and apparently he took the technology that makes the the toy trains run and uh-huh. he rigged his son's wheelchair so he oh could like gosh. motorize it this is what my dad uh-huh. tells me i mean i i believe him I mean, it sounds legit it seems like something he would do but oh, yeah, totally. it's, a, it's a good story i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> All right, uh, so you have your first bands, then you switch to uh, Outlaw Country. <laughs> well, there, it was a long, long it's a journey, journey, it's a journey. <laughs> to get to Outlaw Country. You played a band called Trickster Guru. Oh, that's right. right. Oh, you did your homework. Yeah, I did. I tried, you know. I, di- I didn't know you, so I had to do some research, okay. and uh, uh, I'm glad. And uh, also so that you collaborated with Dr. Dre, and I was like, what? <laughs> what yeah. was that? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Can you uh, elaborate on that, or is it a secret? Uh, what part do you want me to elaborate on? <laughs> How did you collaborate with Dr. Oh, uh, Okay, okay. Well, so I ended up working with him, and there are, there are definitely elements of that story that you know I can't talk about. So I ended up working with him because... Because uh, NDA? <laughs> not because... Well, I actually think I did sign an NDA for some... Because I auditioned for him, and they it was oh. it was a filmed audition because okay. they were doing a documentary. Who at the time was collaborating with Dr. Dre, and so I worked with that artist closely. And so, yeah, uh, uh, I did have the opportunity to audition for him, and uh, he hired me for Aftermath to work with an Aftermath artist at the time. Uh-huh. That was a pretty awesome uh, experience. What did you do? Producer as a producer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, so I I, uh, I broke into the hip hop game because you know as I mentioned, my father who was also a session musician back in the day, and my father I don't know if you know who Billy Preston is. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So my father actually went to high school with Billy Preston. Amazing. And so my my dad he you know he was a session musician back then. My dad he although he didn't play music growing up, he exposed me to a lot of great music, and I think gave me like that taste. And so a lot of hip hop records are sampled mm-hmm. from old soul, psychedelic yeah. rock and stuff. So. I grew up listening to those records, mm. and so to me, those records are very like just natural to me. Mm-hmm. And so when I started working with a lot of like people in the hip hop game, like I could recreate the way those old samples sound, you know. And in fact, when I was working for Aftermath, one of the things, one of the other producers is we would pick a bunch of old samples, and we would go, okay, well, how can we recreate this mm. or stuff like that? And, th- and that's actually one innovation that Dr. Dre brought because, as you know, like a lot of especially earlier hip-hop is sample-based. Mm-hmm. But one thing that Dr. Dre did that really pushed the genre and music forward is interpolation, where basically he would take, he would listen to the, rather than just sampling the records, he would bring session musicians in and then they would recreate the records and then he would make the beats from that. And that, I really feel like, elevated hip-hop as a genre, mm-hmm. which elevated music in general, course, popular yeah. music. Uh, and so I think one of, I mean, I, and I grew up loving hip-hop too. I, like, I, I just love music, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, that was a lot. I feel like I could bring, cr- kind of create these, like, what are called starts that kind of have, like, that soul feel to it, you know? So so should we expect some 
soul into the mix of what you're creating right now? 1,000%. Yes. 1, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, I think when people ask me what kind of music I make, and you've heard a little bit, you've heard Our Lady of the yes. Queen of Angels, Como La Flor. I say that I mix, I say that I sing in English and Spanish, and I mix alternative country rock and soul. Mm-hmm. So, Good. All those That's things. Great. It's, it sounds easier when you say it than when I try to say it first. <laughs> well, that's amazing. And uh, I'm glad that you're releasing your debut EP very soon. When is that? Getting ready. Well, we're going to, now that it's getting mixed and Eddie's finishing it up, uh, we're going to take label meetings so you can get a record deal. Oh, so nice. Get, get, a little, get a little backing. So we're still early in the process. We right are now. early in the process, yeah. And I'm glad that we get to experience that live uh, tomorrow. Yeah at the Pioneer Town Film Festival. That's right. That's great. Um, is it a... Can we still play the song on the podcast or not? Which song? The Our Lady... No. We are, we're going to play the Selena cover. Yeah, yeah. I think that would yeah. make more sense for now. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, absolutely. Okay, great. Play it away. So, um, yeah, and Selena, she's like uh, one of the biggest star mm-hmm. uh, uh, in Mexico, right? In... Latin America, in Latin and, America. And, and in the world, but yeah, she is Chicana. She's actually from Texas. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know the story. I'm uh-huh, sorry. But she's Mexican American. Yeah, okay. So. Okay. There was uh, like a big TV show or something. Uh? Well, I would say the the movie with Jennifer Lopez is really what okay. kind of helped like tip her over into like the mainstream. And there was recently, yeah, there was recently a show mm. that also. Yeah. Sorry, I have to uh, tell my whole ignorance about that part. And uh, no worries at all. <laughs> And uh, but I should be ashamed. My mom is Spanish. I oh. was, she was born in Spain. Oh wow! And I have roots in uh, Hispanic roots. Okay. Hablas español? Un poco, sí. So podemos continuar el podcast en español. Pero no sé si los la gente que están escuchando. No, porque es principalmente por los los hablantes de inglés, ¿verdad? Or we can keep up and uh, keep going in French. I don't know if you. Speak I don't French. speak French. <laughs> That would be a real challenge. <laughs> All right, I'm super excited. I, um, mm. Thank you so much, Kaplan, for being with me uh, today, and uh, we're gonna listen to uh, your. Uh, cover from Selena Como La Flor okay and uh, thank you so much for giving us this time of course it's been an honor
como duele perder tu amor junto a Dios te llevas mi corazón no sé si pueda volver a amar porque te di todo el amor que pude dar como la flor Me marcho hoy, yo sé perdón. 